hello and welcome to the first episode of No Doubter the Podcast. Um, this is Mike Keeley. I'm here with Colin Dunn. Hi, how are you, Colin? Uh, you know, we're persisting, uh, living through quarantine. Uh, I obviously, I would be in London right now, but <laughs> right. obviously that, that's, that's a little bit difficult. Um, but happy to be doing my part and staying home. Uh, how are you, Mike? I'm good. I'm happy to happy to be doing my part. Like you said, um, there are worse worse places to be than my home, you know. So that's not so bad. And I wasn't abroad, so I'm not dealing with that at least. <laughs> um, but things are things are good here. We have a nice little yard in our home, so that's nice to. It's not so nice out today, but when it's nice out, I go outside. But um, this first episode, so I was. I was going back and forth and trying to think, do we call it like No Doubt or the podcast or do we do like No Doubt or Classics? But No Doubt or Classics sounded like some like old tiny like TV, like midday TV show. Yeah, I mean, if if the mid midday TV show crowd is what ends up watching this, we can definitely change the title. But but for now, I think we can stick with the pure No Doubter nice. podcast. Nice, nice. And, but like the other title suggests, uh, what we are doing, at least for this episode, is going over um, a classic game from the past. And f- by your suggestion, we're going to do the 2006 Rolls Bowl, which was uh, USC versus Texas. Of course, Texas won that game 41-38 in a barn burner. Um, some big names, coaching between Mac Brown, Pete Carroll, uh, Matt Leiner, the quarterback, versus uh, Vince Young, you Reggie Bush in the backfield, a young Jamal Charles on the other side. So... I think you, uh, what would you say, how many NFL players ended up being, or NFL starters were in this game, Colin? Uh, there, are, there are over 40. I want to say there might even be over 50 players that go on to start a regular season game, which is which is ludicrous when you're thinking about That's insane. today's college football. Even even looking at the Clemson-Alabama matchups that we've gotten in the past couple of years, you're looking at maybe 30 people getting drafted from those teams, Yeah, or let alone playing like, games. Right, right, right. So it really is um, pretty insane. And looking at going into this game, both these teams were undefeated, of course, 12-0 and 0 going into the title game. There was no playoff back then, so both had played 12 games. Um, the Trojan, USC, um, was actually the, were ranked number one in the AP poll, the coaches poll, and the BCS poll, um, or the BCS rankings. And Texas was two in all three of those, so... I think it's hard to be called an underdog when, you know, it's Vince Young at quarterback and all of that, but that's what we were looking at back back in the day. Yeah, it's, it's funny because I remember – this is probably the first college football game that I remember. Just so much buildup and the game itself was incredible. And you were kind of looking at it from a Texas perspective, almost bummed out that you were playing in a year where University of Southern California existed. Because any other year, they're going to run away with the national championship. But at this point – USC is on a 34-game winning streak between their past couple seasons. Right. And it, it really doesn't look like they're going to get beat. And early in this game, it still looks like USC is not going to get beat. Um, they they stall out in their first drive, but then um, Texas, the returner on Texas, uh, drops muffs the punt. USC gets the ball back, and they score pretty quick after that. And then there's a second drive where it looks like USC is going to score again. And – Knowing that Texas is going to win this game, that's what sort of stuck out to me early on as maybe a turning point when USC doesn't score that second drive when they're in Texas territory. Because if they go up 14-0 there in the first quarter, who knows what happens. But Texas stops them. I 
I think uh, I forget if it was a fumble or just they weren't quite far enough in there to kick a field goal, but um, they punt or they turn the ball over. Texas gets the ball back. And um, then, well, considering almost 80 points were scored in this game, the offenses kind of stall out until the latter half of the second quarter. Yeah, that's that's definitely an interesting note because going into the game, uh, I think the the craziest fact from the game, there were so many records break, broken from this. Uh, this one does not stand because obviously we'll get into that later, but Reggie Bush's Heisman gets taken away. But USC has the first backfield in NCAA history, and it still stands as the only backfield in NCAA history to have two Heisman winners. Reggie Bush wins it that year, and Matt Leinart at QB won it the year before. Um, and that that's just crazy to me that you can have two Heisman caliber players, the best players in the country, and they're playing on the same team in the same backfield. I think it's and not only that, I mean, I don't know where his career went from here. He's not a name I recognize. He was the same year as Reggie Bush. But the other running back in that backfield, Lendell White, um, had an insane game behind a equally insane season where if he hadn't been behind Reggie White, um, all the headlines would have been about him. 1,300 rushing yards that year, um, 200 more receiving yards. And, I mean, having both those guys in that liner in your backfield, that stuff is cool at the very least. Yeah, um, fun fun fact about Lendell White, he actually gets drafted in the second round by the Titans, who in the first round of that draft picked Vince Young. So oh. early, clearly someone from Tennessee's leadership really loved watching that Rose Bowl. Yeah, yeah, apparently. Um, but both – I think Lendell White, since Reggie Bush didn't play beyond this season either, they both got drafted after 2005 in the 2006 draft. Um, Lendell White was actually – and maybe still is um, – the all-time leading um, rushing touchdown holder for Texas, and it's not Reggie Bush. Oh, did I say Reggie White? I meant Reggie Bush. Yeah, uh, I mean Reggie. Reggie was just a beast in college. He just he was so he was you could you see it in this game. You see it throughout his career. He was just so quick, but also strong. Um, it's it's a little bit unfortunate that his NFL career we never saw him kind of get to that level. But but in college he looked like Barry Sanders when he was at um, Oklahoma State. Well, I think the thing is between these two guys, um, Reggie Reggie Bush is kind of the he was ahead of his time, right? He was mm-hmm. a he was an all purpose back. He would catch the ball as much as he would rush it for Texas. And then in the NFL, he was also sort of a threat out of the passing game. Um, and while White was more of the I'm going to take the ball in my hand off. I'm going to you know get my seven yards. I'm going to do that over and over again, and I'm going to score a lot of touchdowns. But it was interesting watching. I hadn't thought about Reggie Bush in a long time before watching this game again. And while he was a great runner, he also did a lot more than that that I think he would have been a better NFL player if he had come out more recently. Yeah, agreed. This This game just kind of felt like before it's time to – just, I, I feel like the way that it was kind of run and gun. Granted, it felt like a it felt like you were watching Big Twelve football because of the high score. But the ways that both teams were playing, those teams could compete with the teams that we're seeing today. Like, are kind of more mobile. Well, if you watch, if you watch uh, Vince Young, the way he scrambles out of the pocket and you know often throws a cr- back across the field to a receiver who's who's sort of, you know, broken out of his pattern to, you know, accommodate the, the rush or, like, the scramble, I mean. 
Vince Young, I mean, he reminds you of a, or at least college Vince Young. He wasn't that much of a, of a pro quarterback. But college Vince Young reminds you a lot of Mahomes or Lamar Jackson in the way that he, you know, loves to make plays out of the pocket and still has the arm to match to make the plays once he's there. Yeah, you, you definitely see that kind of modern-day scrambler in him. I would say less Lamar just because Lamar, um, he was much better on the read option. Um, there's a lot Vince of read Scott, option. There's a lot of read option in this they, Texas. They, they did run some op- option, yeah. Um, Three of their touchdowns was a was a read option play, but it might have just been a nice first down game in the red zone. But yeah, he just had. I don't know where it went in the NFL, but he had that instinctive ability to just go and win games. I, I'm sure. I'm sure you're watching, and, and many people are watching the Michael Jordan documentary right now, and you're looking at people that refuse to lose and just have something in them that's going to make them win games. Uh, you saw that from Vince Young in this game. Yeah, and I don't want to get into that Jordan documentary because we talked about that for hours, but yes, those first two episodes were were insane, especially as someone who, of course, you know, neither of us watched mm-hmm. watched Michael Jordan or even, even late Michael Jordan, really. We weren't old enough to remember it. But yeah. Yeah, I think also similarly, or not similarly in terms of how great players they were, but similarly, I think people our age might forget how good Vince Young was in college. Yeah, when you're looking back at the best college football players of all time, um, he's definitely way up there. Even you're looking at Lamar. We talked about Lamar Jackson at Louisville. He wins a Heisman, but he's not the type of all-purpose guy straight out of college like Vince Young was, uh, which is kind of incredible when you're looking at the career trajectory after they leave college. But – Vince Young was a beast. Yeah, a lot of it's just like with those with those uh, dual those sort of dual purpose like running gun. Uh, I don't know what's the right term, but like those quarterbacks who you know like to run the ball too. I think and the NFL and college teams too, and you know teams and teams specifically have gotten a lot better at um, helping those types of guys stay healthy and stay effective. And you know, back in two thousand six, when Vince Young entered the league. Um, those guys were still taking really hard hits. Um, offenses, offenses weren't geared to them as much as they would be now. So then you see a guy like Lamar Jackson coming in, and the Ravens drafted him thinking, we are going to make our offense for you. And they did, and it, it paid off for them this past year. Yeah, and that kind of play is – like I love that kind of college ball. That Back in 2006, that was the only place where you could kind of see teams spreading it out and running scrambling sets. Um, and when you're looking at the NFL today, it definitely is on the shoulders of teams like that Texas team with Vince Young or other teams with just crazy dual threat QBs in college that were that dared to try this before it was able to be implemented in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, for some reason for a long time, there was that there was a certain belief held amongst NFL people and probably college people, too, that maybe not. I don't know. I don't want to get people's heads like that, but um <laughs> that, you know, for some reason, football was a different sport in the pros than it was in college. I think that's still, that belief is still held to a degree. And the players are better, but um, if something works, it works. And if you are willing to make it work, um, like they've tried to make, you know, the Ravens offense and even really the Bills offense to a degree and other offenses like that, um, which have introduced a lot more sort of, you know, quarterback plays designed for, you know, to get out of the backfield, get out of the pocket. Um, it works in the pros too, as long as you try to get it to work. 
Yeah, but on the on the flip side of the coin, in in this specific game, the QB on the other side, Matt Leinart, I don't think he scrambles once that game. Maybe for one yard, um, just just in panic mode. But he's your prototypical guy, uh, just sitting in the pocket, big tall dude. I think I think he's six four, six five, um, just yeah. throwing over throwing over his big hulking O line, and that that's kind of the norm for that NFL era. Um, you look at Peyton Manning, um, all those guys. And Matt Liner was thought of as a great prospect too, tenth overall to I believe it was the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, it's not that they were both thought of as great prospects, and for some reason neither panned out. It's not because Vince Young was a runner, or because Matt Liner was a pocket guy. Um, but those things just happen, you know. I think um, we've gotten our general thoughts with the game out. Um, mm-hmm. I think let's go to a break now. And when we come back, we can sort of break down some of the big moments in the game, um, where guys have gone from here, other than the ones we've talked about already, and sort of what we thought of some of the big plays of the game. Um, we will be right back after this break. Welcome back to our no doubter uh, recap of the, of the 2006 Rose Bowl between uh, USC and Texas, and um, let's look at some uh, some possible you know turning points or you know big big themes or moments of the game. Um, why don't we call them? Um, yeah, I mean the the big theme I think for me is obviously Vince Young. This is one of the most the most impressive individual performances by a competitor in a championship game, uh, probably the most dominant in an NCAA, essentially national championship. It wasn't called that here. It's just called the Rose Bowl, but everyone knows it was. It's a BCS national championship game. They, they, they address it. They, they call it. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Always, always confused in the BCS era, but yeah, he just, he couldn't be stopped. Just how, how shifty he was. And as the game went on, you kind of saw Texas start to just start running over USC. The defense was getting tired. Obviously, the score is getting run up, so they're not getting much break. And yeah, he was just having his way. Uh, what did What did you see, Mike? Well, it's just, it's obvious towards the end of this game. I mean, USC's. I'm, I'm sorry, Texas's last two scores. They were down, what like 13 points at one point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, down 13 points. Um. Their last two scores are, I believe, a 13-yard and a and a no, a 17-yard and an eight-yard touchdown from Vince Young, um, both with four of three remaining or less. And you just have to think like this defense was gassed. There was a point where he saw that they had nothing else for him, and he said, "I'm going to take this football, and you're not going to stop me." And he made big plays in the red zone when it counted, and that's why. Um, Texas won this game, and I really, I guess, why this game wasn't vacated for USC. <laughs> <laughs> I do wonder, though, if um, Mac Brown, coach of Texas, had that in the game plan that Young was going to touch the ball so much, or it was kind of a heat of the moment thing. Because obviously, when with USC, you're game playing defensively for Bush, he's going to be in the game plan for them. Um, but Vince Young, he has an incredible season. He finishes second in the Heisman running to Bush, but I don't know if you're saying, okay, we're just going to run read option or QB keepers every single play for the final quarter, you know? I don't know. I mean, I, I think 
it could have been a game plan thing where he thinks they're going to be tired. We know they're going to be tired, and then we can give it to give it to Young. Or it could have been a thing where, I mean, you can see their offense earlier on. Obviously, wasn't as heavy. He's he got a touchdown, and I believe it was the third quarter, which made the score. They gained the lead twenty three seventeen, and this is pretty early, midway through, um, almost halfway through the third quarter. But a lot of their offense up through up through until the fourth quarter was, you know, more balanced between different guys. And then I think for whatever reason, they decided if we get in the red zone, there's one, there's one key to unlocking their defense and we're going to keep trying it until it works. And it did work. I mean, that, that paid oh, off, yeah. paid off incredibly for him. Um, I'm just. I'm also surprised on the USC side of things. Pete Carroll's a smart coach. We know that he goes on to coach Seattle after this. Um, yeah. Does great things there. I wonder if he just could not find an answer for Young because of just how versatile that type of play style is. Yeah, on, on one hand, sure. And when you come up against a guy that talented, um, it's tough. And also, it's not like Texas's, you know, defense covered themselves with glory either. Mm. But. Um, at, this, at a certain point, like, who has the ball last? They took the lead with 19 seconds left, and at that point, <laughs> what are you going to do, you know? Yeah, and, and do we, do we want to talk about that final that final drive kind of capped off with what we've been talking about, Vince Young's greatness? I think that's one, um, that's one of the most impressive two-minute drills that's been run in a national championship game. Go ahead. Go for it. Uh, I mean, it, it's just so impressive because – they're down by six or they're down by five. So at that point, the USC defense, they just need to stop the touchdown. And you've got so many points in their drive where they've got them on the ropes. Um, Texas gets to about midfield on a third and 13. They end up taking a face mask penalty, uh, bails out Texas. And then um, they finally just keep moving the ball down up until the final 17 yard touchdown run where young kind of just takes it out from shotgun, iconically just rolls right and just s- scrambles until he hits the end zone. Um, but all 67 yards on that drive were accounted for by Young. No one else no one else touches it before Young. No one else finishes the play unless it's a pass from Young. Uh, that That's just incredible to me. Yeah. No, he took over. I mean, this whole game, really, but this drive especially, I mean – you know, you, you talk about his rushing all all day long, where he rushed nineteen, um, so yeah, nineteen rushes, two hundred yards. That's insane, and three touchdowns. But also, in the air, thirty for forty, mm-hmm. two sixty-seven, no touchdowns. But you know, when their rushing game was like that, and he was like that, you don't need to throw the ball in the end zone. Um, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, uh, just an insane ending to a great game. Um, not, you know. I think going almost saying more than that's doing a disservice. It's just not much, to, not much can be said to do it justice, you know? Mm-hmm. But, but you mentioned to me earlier, my God, uh, kind of the one thing marring this game, not necessarily marring it, but, but something to note. Um, <laughs> yeah. We, yeah. We, we were missing something in this game. What was that? Well, I guess it was early in the days of replay, but there were points in this game where, the announcers were pleading with the referees to go to the booth to overlook, to look over calls. And they just didn't. And 
Um, there was one instance I saw for each team where they rushed to the line and sort of like get the, got the next play going so it would be ruled sort of, you know, no one's like you couldn't look back on it. But the one that really mattered, the one that went USC's way that I saw was really just like a first down where the guy probably didn't catch it and they rushed the line, got it off and kept going. But for Texas, there was a play when they're down seven, they're down seven, three in the second quarter. And um, I forget who takes the ball initially, but it's a running back, you know, going up the left side. He's going down like around the, I think on the 12, really. And he maybe a little further than that. I don't know how these things are, are scored, but um, he laterals it to Selvin Young, who goes in and scores. But the first guy, who I assume is Jamal Charles, um, his knee was down, and the TV booth freeze frames it, and his knee was down as he's lateraling the ball. And like, there's a pretty good amount of time where the referees could have gotten together and said, "Hey, let's let's uh, take a minute and go see this," and they just didn't. So Texas takes a lead there, and then it ends up being 16-7, and then it's off to the races. Um, it goes back and forth for the rest of the game. And you just think, like, that would never – I feel like that would never fly today, maybe because there's better communication between the booth and the referees, but also just – I don't know. I think it just wouldn't be acceptable nowadays. Yeah, I mean, we could talk for hours about instant replay in sports and whether it has a place or not, but I think it's pretty much – agreed upon that things like scoring plays and turnovers in football, they should be reviewed and football. It's been improved. You, you can talk about the more recent things like PI and that being kind of questionable. <laughs> oh, that's a yeah. But, but when you're talking about just having better cameras on the field that can help aid the naked eye to see a play, that's going to be better nine times out of 10 than just letting the game play. But at the same time, it is fun that we have these kinds of moments. You look at the Music City Miracle. That would never happen nowadays because we would just have an answer of whether it was a lateral or not. So it is kind of fun to be able to have these theoretical debates. But at the same time, I think the game is better for having instant replay and being able to correct some of these calls. But but like you said, none of these none of these things were on pivotal plays. Yes, the, yes, well, the game was close. Yes, there were scoring points on the line but but I, I wouldn't say that one team significantly I wouldn't say that Texas got carried by the refs the whole game but who knows if it's I don't know it's just like a scoring play that early in the game it could be pivotal or it could be inconsequential you'll never know that's the thing but it's just I mean it's funny because now every I mean maybe not I don't watch as much college football as you do but for every NFL game Every time there's a touchdown, that's a little shaky. The, whoever announcer it is goes, as we know, all scoring plays must be reviewed. And that that voice is screaming in my head as I'm watching this game, like, why is this not going to review automatically, you know? Yeah, it's definitely a blast from the past. It is hard to imagine that that was only 14 years ago. Um, even Even the broadcast quality you have kind of the cheesy CGI animations, which I think we should bring back for a couple games every now and then. Um, when they, they're, you, they, just get, I, they just got their new tech intern on the computer or whatever. Before I watched this game, you had already watched it and you told me like, hey, like the announcer, you're going to think he's crazy. He's so Southern. And I went back and watched this game. And I'm like, who are you talking about? Hey, that's Keith Jackson. Uh, he's he's a Georgia boy. He's he's got that kind of just 
rolling, almost like an auctioneer meets just a, a good old Southern boy, and they put him in a broadcasting booth with a love for college football. I guess I thought you were, I thought you were telling me it was like gonna be Foghorn Leghorn in the booth. <laughs> no, that 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 actually was his his last game telecasted as well. Um, he retired he retired really? after that, so kind of a good one to go off on, yeah, especially go with a team from the South, Texas, winning against kind of your your richer Pacific team. Um, obviously, right. there, there's some rivalry there. Um, we may get into that later. Later on, the athletic athletic kind of and um, do you want to go over some of the? Because there are some great performances on the Lucent side that I think sort of get lost, both because of the Reggie Bush scandal, as well as you know the fact they just lost this game. You know, history remembers the victors and all that. Yeah, I think I think we definitely um, got to talk about the Trojans' performance. Because Matt Liner, and also I think people just forget Matt Liner because of how dismal he was in the NFL for most of his career. But Matt Liner, 29 for 40, uh, 365. And again, a weirdly a game weirdly low in um, passing touchdowns, which I think is just sort of a you know last of the past. The and both all kinds of football have gone more heavy to the pass nowadays. But with all those yards, just one touchdown, one interception. Um. If you're looking at QB rating, actually had a better game in the air than Vince Young. I don't know. Again, I'm not an expert on any of this. But um, he had a great game. Um, Lendell White, who you mentioned was a second-round pick, um, rushed for 124 yards, nothing in the air. Reggie Bush rushed for 82 yards, um, caught six receptions for 95 yards. Like If they had won this game, this would be a team that never stopped being talked about, at least Again, before you talk about all the, you know, illegalities of whatever they did. Yeah, I mean, if they if they go off and cap off that season at thirteen and zero, you're talking a top five, maybe top three team of all time. Uh, that that's right up there. You got your eighty five Miami team, maybe maybe one of your modern Alabama dynasties. But. Yeah, just the amount of sheer talent on that team. Again, just two Heisman in the backfield, and they can't win a national championship with that is beyond me. Yeah. Did they, did they, they win did. the year before? They, they did they win. Um, yeah. So they, they had been riding, what did I say, 34-game win streak. Um, they had gone undefeated yeah. last year to win it all. Texas had actually won the Rose Bowl the year before, though. So maybe maybe that helped them going into Southern California, having already played in Southern California. Um, you know, it was a fun, well, you know, it was a fun stat that was in the broadcast. Um, only I think they said like only three guys before this game had won multiple Rose Bowl MVPs, and both Matt because Matt Liner um, and that USC team had won the Rose Bowl, and then Texas won it the season in two thousand four. Mm-hmm. So both these teams have won Rose Bowls recently. Yeah, and that's. It's rare. It's it's surprising to think about Texas and the Rose Bowl nowadays because obviously with our playoff format, if the Rose Bowl isn't in the playoff, you've just got the best Pac-12 team and the best Big Ten team remaining in it. Um, so kind kind of funny right. seeing a Big Twelve team go there back to back, especially I think that that was their second time ever going. Like they went back to back, and those were the only times that they've been to the Rose Bowl. Yeah. All these bowl game things are weird to me. Like, I don't understand how they decide all of it. 
I just I think the Rose. I mean, but knowing the Rose Bowl, I think the Rose Bowl should be in the playoff every year. That's like the best. Yeah, just the atmosphere, the fact that it's just its own standalone stadium. It's not like you're playing in the Superdome, which the Saints do all the time. You're playing in Pasadena. You've got the Rose Bowl parade, which is super cool. Yeah, I think it's great. You would always. This is kind of um, getting away from the game, but just to say quickly. It's always bizarre to me how these California teams, these Southern California teams, aren't in both basketball and football, aren't better. Like you're recruiting people to come play in LA, at USC or UCLA or whoever, wherever, or even Stanford. Stanford's doing a little better nowadays, at least in basketball. But um, it's crazy that these teams don't like just say, "Hey, look at where we are and do better." With yeah, especially for football, you look at the USC roster in this game. They've got a good amount of Samoans, a good amount of Hawaiians. Uh, you think. Um, to attack of Aloha, um, Marcus Mariota, and then your abundance of linemen that are coming from those areas. Um, USC should have yeah. a pipeline there. They're they're significantly closer to those guys than anyone else, yet time and time again, they're getting snagged up by bigger programs uh, elsewhere. And it's just kind of – it's kind of a shame because I think when – I don't love USC, but when they're doing well and the Pac-12 is doing well, we've got a more entertaining football landscape than we have. Yeah, I will say, and the similar topic, um, my one of my greatest college football dreams would be that um, the university, of, the University of Hawaii, is a powerhouse. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be a tough place to play. <laughs> again, again, mm-hmm. great climate though. You're living in Hawaii. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> but yeah, back to the game. You had a. Uh, you would spot a couple guys on defense you wanted to talk about, right? Uh, yeah, no. Um, one of one of my favorite favorite names of all time. We've got a uh, Frosty Rucker, um, from USC. He played up until 2018. I think he, he retired then, but he had a great career. Uh, third round pick, played for the Bengals for a long time, then kind of had a resurgence with the Cardinals, but um. He's just a really cool dude. The fact that he's named Frosty Rucker, named after Robert Frost, which is almost even crazier. Um, I, I, I would not have guessed that that's, one. That's great. But that's, but again, just pretty cool. Really great guys on this on this team on either team that you wouldn't have even noticed unless they were pointed out because everyone talks about Vince Young, Rich, Bush, Matt Leinhart. And also, well, it's such a game. Yeah, exactly. You're not you're not praising any defenses in this game. But also, he's a he's a Californian, which I think today that we've got pipeline states for where people are going. But more and more often, you're seeing people go to out of state and not playing for their hometown team, and that's really hurting programs like USC and Texas, which kind of had great football in their backyard. Yeah, you know, what I just saw scrolling down these pages to look for things. Um, in addition to his like basically eighty five plus yards in the air on the ground, Reggie Bush um, five oh, had one hundred and two kick return yards, which I guess isn't that impressive since he returned it five times. But he was doing it everywhere. Yeah, and that that's something that I do remember him from actually doing really well in the NFL. Um, he he returned punts and kicks for a long time, even after he was a true three down back. Um, so, so that was definitely the the biggest carryover from this game for him. Yeah, 
do we want to um i guess look at um sort of look at the guys who maybe besides you know your vince young and matt liner some guys who looked like future stars in this game who maybe didn't pan out for yeah sure um you definitely mentioned one with um well lendell white gets drafted second round but doesn't do too much after that um kind of interesting because if you if you kind of covered the stat lines of Lendell White and Reggie Bush in this game, it would be very hard to guess which one was which. Yeah, it's very I mean, I think we were I think this was, I believe, before we started recording, I was saying how, you know, maybe Reggie Bush would be better today in sort of the modern NFL with his sort of, you know, three down style, sort of he can do it all. Um, and Lendell White really looks like your sort of your old style, you know, p- ground and pound running back. He was just he didn't catch a single ball in this game, but rushed for over 100 yards. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought the dichotomy between those two guys was really interesting. Yeah. And neither, and neither really lived up to the promise they had. No, there, not at all. Even though right. And, and you mentioned you mentioning that now just kind of makes me think it's a little bit of a stretch, but thinking of, of all purpose backs. Reggie Bush in this game almost looks like Christian McCaffrey in some of the games for the Panthers, uh, just the way that he can catch the ball out of the backfield and do things that aren't just running up the middle and following blocks. Yeah, he's one of those guys, at least in college, where like if he catches the ball in the flat, mm-hmm. he kind of starts to panic a little bit, um, which is definitely a lot more of a new age style than you would see a lot of in 2005, which I think is a testament to Pete Carroll in a way, because Pete Carroll's always been sort of a an innovative coach to a degree, and I think he was probably more open to things like this than a lot of other coaches would have been. Yeah, I, I, I'm still holding to the fact that Pete Carroll looks older in this game than he does when he's playing in the Super Bowl versus the Pats. I don't know what it is. Maybe maybe he looks better in the <laughs> in the green and blue, but he just he looks stressed yeah, I, out or something. I yeah, the red, the red, the red might be doing it. Not very red flattering. and yellow isn't for everybody, man. <laughs> I don't know. I thought he looked like he hasn't looked. He still has sort mm-hmm. of the white hair, and he's like not a particularly youthful looking dude. Um, but I thought he looked younger. I don't know. Maybe I'm being kind. Maybe it's just the fact that it is earlier in time, and that made me think he looked younger. I don't know. But yeah. Um, do you have any last thoughts on this game, Colin? Um, I think overall, just why I picked this game, not only is it just a fun game, really great teams, really great ending, I think it was kind of a watershed moment for a lot of people to watch the college football BCS championship games. Uh, I think it's still the highest rating, highest rated BCS game of all time. Well, there's no more BCS games, so it remains that. Uh, you got 22% of households yeah. watching it. Um, and that's just so great for the sport. You talk about like 2016 Villanova um, versus UNC. Obviously, our listeners will be somewhat familiar with that one. Uh, It just it does great things for the sports and the programs involved. And even nowadays, we have terrible Texas and USC teams. You can argue Texas is back, Texas is not back. But because of moments like these, they're just immortalized as these blue bloods of college football. And and I think that's just really, really cool. Yeah, I think my takeaway is kind of – I don't know if it's the opposite. It's so, mm-hmm. in a different vein, at least, um, in that, like, you watch this game, and it's 
weird watching this game and all these players because you all the big name players in this game, the at least on offense, the large majority of them were so great in college and were just bust after bust after bust mm-hmm. in the NFL, which is kind of thrill to watch. Like you watch Reggie Bush, you watch Vince Young, you watch Matt Liner. I mean, and again, I keep bringing up Lindell White, not quite as big of a name, but still. Um, the biggest success of this group is Jamal Charles, and even though he was good that year, he only rushed the ball five times in this game for 34 yards. Like he wasn't that much; he wasn't really in the game. Um, it was—it's very weird watching this many busts play so well in one game. Yeah, I don't think that would fly. I mean, it might be too soon to tell, but you're looking at guys coming from these Alabama teams. They're generally going to play at least a few years and do well. Granted, a lot of guys from this game start in the NFL at some point in some vein, but right, it seems like nowadays if they're being heavily recruited by these big schools, they're going on these national championship runs and kind of proven themselves more um, to pan out. But I'm sure after looking at these guys in, from this 06 Rose Bowl, um, scouts were probably more wary of just picking guys because they won national titles. Right, it's less it's less less evaluation on like are they a winner, although I think that still is a big deal. Um, but yeah, I think um, I I had fun. This was a good pick by you going over this game. I had never seen it before. It definitely had a lesser spot in my mind. Mm-hmm. And ne- next you. week, next week, you got anything um, in mind? Uh, are you are we gonna keep it a surprise, perhaps? Let's uh let's not give away right now. I actually don't know what I'll pick, which is <laughs> part of it. <laughs> but I will definitely maybe uh I definitely a different sport, so a little more my wheelhouse. Um, but I think I'll try to pick something that I maybe something I haven't seen, or at least something that I haven't. At least something that's not like one of my yeah, teams, that's fair. You know? So we'll see. Um, stay tuned and see what I pick, everyone <laughs> in college. Definitely, maybe we'll we'll will sports so, back into. Starting up in the fall, starting up in July. I don't know, maybe. <laughs> uh, hopefully. But with that, um, thanks for listening to No Doubt of the Podcast. We will be See back you. soon.